Good morning, everyone. You doing okay? Can we still say Happy New Year? Yeah, Happy New Year. Okay, I found, came across this little clip this week. I hope you enjoy it. We're just going to watch this now. That made me laugh so much. When I first started watching it, I felt tired already. Motivation, synergy. It's like all those willow clips we used to watch. And then when it came on to the guy going, really, this is my year? I was like laughing so much, the girl's face. <laughs> like I've seen it all before. I love it when he has to appeal to the baby, Jack. And the baby goes, oh. <laughs> and um, I love how, you know, when it comes to New Year, there can be like... Um, You know, opportunity, but pressure as well. And when um, the calendar turns from December 31st and it flips over to January the 1st, suddenly we can wake up and think, I have to be a new me, a new self. Suddenly, as the clock strikes midnight, I have to turn into this like brand new person, more motivation, more synergy, more energy, more achievement. But at the same time, we have this little voice inside us that goes, but it's just me, and I don't think I can. And I read yesterday that 80% of New Year's resolutions are over by February. And so we need something a little bit more than that. And um, in the new year, I think we have these two things. One is the potential. That kind of the new year makes us focus and wake up to the potential that it can be different. And that's a really good thing, that we know there's a potential for change. And at the same time, we're very much aware, aren't we? Or we can even be overwhelmed by our not-enoughs. You know, we're all aware that, well, I'm not that organized or tidy or sorted it all out. And I don't know if I do have synergy and I'm struggling to focus now, especially after a break. And so we hold these two things in tension. And also to sometimes come to that, you know, that little inner voice, the inner critic. Well, you're not up to much. You can't do that. You know, that little inner voice we listen to sometimes that we've got to find something that breaks through Um, the self-doubt and the overwhelmed with uh, the not-enoughs that we're able to achieve our potential. And how are we going to do that? Well, I've got great news for you. At the start of this new year, I have great news because this is the foundation for our potential to be realized without being stressed, to have more motivation. And this is it, that you are greatly loved just as you are. That's it. You are greatly loved just as you are. And when we have those doubts come in, little self-talk, that's what we need to go back to. That foundational question, I am loved, I belong, Jesus loves me just as I am. And that is our starting place. So right at the beginning of this year, I want you to relax. I want you to say to yourself, I am loved. Do you know the almighty creator God who made this whole world says you are enough and he loves you just as you are. We have to let that sink in. If you queued up for two hours for a prophecy from some amazing prophet who had flown from another country and you queued and you finally got to the front, the most special thing he could ever tell you from God is this. You are loved. You are completely loved. You are totally loved. And that is the starting place for our new year and and achieving our potential. Now, one of my favorite verses, this is one of my all-time favorite verses I find so reassuring, is this from Romans 5. 
And it says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now look at what this is saying. It's saying while we were far away from God, while we couldn't care less about God, while we were pursuing our own way, perhaps we did dreadful things. And while we were in that state, Jesus died for us and rescued us. He didn't wait for us to try and clean ourselves up, to try and be good enough to be accepted. But just in our state as we were, Jesus came and rescued us. And now that we're rescued, we're brought into his family. So now we belong. Now, if we didn't have to try over here when he rescued us, now we don't have to start trying, keeping a to-do list now that we belong. Listen to what God says to us in 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So you and I now, we were over here far away. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And now he has taken us into the family. And who are we? Who are we? We are the children of God. And this shows the great love of God that he's lavished on us, that we should be called part of the family. So he knows what we're like. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to put on a brave face. We don't have to distance ourselves. We can come straight to the Father because we are his children. And now we belong and we're family. You and I, we're brothers and sisters. Jesus is our brother. The Holy Spirit is our guide and our comforter. And God is our Father and Jesus loves us and he accepts us. And we belong. I love that verse that um, Adam and Jenny showed at the beginning. Lamentations 3, 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And we can trust the words that God says about himself. So this love will never end. If we have a bad day, it will never end. If we have a bad week, it never ceases. If, we, if we're in a muddle, if we don't have motivation, synergy, achievement, if we're just me, if we're just little me and I just know I'm not enough right now, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's not dependent on my behavior, my achievements, my getting it all right. It will never, his mercies on me will never come to an end. And so at the start of this year, I want you to take a big sigh of relief. This is not a year of striving, of the pursuit of being better in our own strength, but a year to know that you are loved. And that foundational truth will change everything for you when we let that go deep in our heart. And so this is going to be the theme for 2020. Remember, we had a theme last year, a year to grow. doesn't mean we didn't grow before 2019. And of course, it means we continue to grow. But this year, what is our focus for this year? It's this, 2020, a year to love. And this is our theme for this year. So this morning, I'm just going to introduce our theme a little bit of what we're going to be pursuing in the year 2020. So three areas. And so this is a little introduction. If we're going to explore love this year, imagine our lives this year bathed in love, understanding love, receiving love, giving love. It's going to be an amazing year, year of love, a year to love. Number one is this, God's love. Wouldn't it be great for you and I if we could understand and experience God's love? If we could totally understand in our thinking, in our mind, 
the amazing love of God, the creator God who loves you and me. And this year, to grasp it and understand it, that would change so much. But not only to understand it, but to experience it. To experience it in worship, in our life, in one another, in community. And so God's love, number one, let us understand what that love is and also to experience it. And when this happens, it releases us. We find our life walking in a brand new freedom. We're not trying to um, keep to a standard. We're not trying to tick a list. We're not afraid. But actually now we begin to live in a life of freedom, knowing that the ultimate one who counts loves us. And it will help us to grow. It will help us to live with peace and healing. When we're afraid and when things come our way, the most important thing is that we are loved and safe by the one who cares for us. That feeling of being accepted, loved, is a starting place for wholeness and it swallows up our self-doubt because we come back to the fact that God loves us. Do you know that when we're loved, we flourish best, don't we? You know, we're in an environment of love. If you're with friends or family who accept you, in that environment, it brings out the best in us, doesn't it? Now, Gina and I went for a walk, and I was discussing with him this about the year to love. And we were talking about moments in our life where we had felt loved or encouraged. And uh, <clears throat> I said, the one that, that I most thought about was when Chloe was about six, well, sort of three, four, five, six, seven, eight, when she was really little and she was the youngest in the family and everybody treated her like the family pet. So instead of getting a puppy, we got a Chloe. And so she was greatly loved from a young age. But I remember at a very young age, she followed me round and used to look at me with those big chocolate button eyes and just loved me completely. Like I could do no wrong. You know, that soon wore off and she grew up and realized, you know, we're all fallen. And, you know, but when she was a little girl, she'd just follow me around with these big brown chocolate eyes. On a Saturday morning and there was no school, I'd wake up and find her in the bed next to me and we'd read books and have tea and toast. And I remember that feeling of, of looking into someone's eyes and just being like totally loved, like I was mother of the decade, you know? And it just kind of inspires you to be better because you don't ever want to let this little person down. And we're just talking about different occasions in our lives. And I'm sure you've experienced times where you're just free to feel and be yourself. And you know, other times when maybe you've gone into a situation, and I've had many of these where you don't fit and it feels awkward, and, and uh, it's really just like awkward and tense. And the more awkward and tense you are, the more you can't be yourself. And then the more you say something stupid or look a right idiot, and like the more you feel tense, the worse it is. You know that kind of feeling? Well, wouldn't it be great in life if deep down in our soul we grasp the love of God, that we have an inner peace and security to face every challenge? Wouldn't that be great? And so this year, we're going to explore that, to have no doubt that God loves me, not to doubt it. Even in the toughest times. Now, in our journey, we've been through some tough times, through betrayal, through poverty, through challenge, through sickness, through loss. But I've never doubted that God loves me. I remember going through one particular loss and just praying and saying, God, you, you've got to prove yourself to me now. I have to be able to hold on to you. And out of everything, he proved himself. He was there. His love never ceases. It will never end. He's not going anywhere. Wouldn't it be great if every day we live in that confidence of knowing that God loves me 
even in the toughest times, even when I don't know the answers, even when I have to wait for heaven for those answers, his love is constant. In Psalm 23, verse four, it says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And our desire this year is to know the love of God deep in our soul that will change everything for us. The knowledge that we are loved by him. And there's a second part to God's love. Like That's A. And B is this. How to love him back. For us to discover this year together how our love thrills the Lord. To receive love from us and different ways for us to express our love to him. That with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, we will love him and show that how, by how we live and how we love and how we serve. So not just receiving the love of God, but also learning how to show our love back. And these foundational roots of life will change your year, a year to love. And number two is this, love others. So number one, when we're looking at a year to love, is God's love. Number two is to love others. How would it change our lives if we learn all aspects of loving others? Now, sometimes it's easy to love, and sometimes it's really hard to love. And how can we discover how to do that? And somebody came up to Jesus and said to him, Jesus, what are the most important commandments? Out of all the things that we should do, what's the most important? And Jesus said this in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Well, that's good because that's what we're going to do this year in depth. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so when Jesus was asked, he was saying, these are the two most important things. This is what it all comes down to, to love the Lord our God with all our mind, heart, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, as much as we care about ourselves, to love other people. And so when, when we focus it all down, life is about these two fundamentals, loving God and loving others. And so this year, we're going to learn how to do that, how to do it better, how to do it when it doesn't always come naturally. But how can we show love and care to those in our life, those in our home, maybe our housemates, our family, work colleagues, people we see every day, and our church family? How do we show love in our wider world as well? What about those who are homeless in our city? What about those children in the refugee crisis who are just orphaned, thousands and thousands of them. What about like our neighbors in Australia going through these terrible bushfires at the moment? How do we respond? How do we show love near and far? And if you notice, I, I notice when preparing this is that one of the things we really need is to know that we're loved, don't we? We need that. That's foundational. That's why we started with that. But these things Jesus is saying is all about love going out. It's about loving God and loving others. So our starting place is we know that we, we really need to feel loved. We need to know that we're loved. We need to receive that. But Jesus says then the two most important commandments are to love God and to love others. It's love going out. And this is the great thing that the key of starting, the key starting place of knowing that we're loved means that everything can flow out of that. And Jesus, and John, in 1 John 4, he says this, we love 
because he first loved us. And isn't that a relief? That God's love, it comes to us first. And because he loved us and we can experience that love, out of that, we can love God and love others. Now, I know we've mentioned John Burke's book, Imagine Heaven, a number of times, because that book really, it blew my mind. And if you haven't read it yet, have a little try. Or if you find it hard to read, there, are, there is a lot of like black holes in science and stuff like that, that the John Burke devotional, Imagine Heaven, is an easier read. But what he found in there, he interviewed and collected together the interviews of many, many people who'd had an experience of dying and coming back. And and they had many, many things that were all exactly the same. And one of the things that was common was people who encountered Jesus had like a life review. So in some kind of situation, they felt they were with Jesus. They could see him. He was light. He was peace. And then it's like their life flashed before their eyes, you know, the good things and the bad things. And um, they said that what... Many of them said they had, as this life review went on, they saw moments where they'd achieved in life. So they'd had like a swimming badge or a college certificate or a degree or a promotion at work. And in this life review were their highlights of achievements and certificates and badges and trophies. And they kind of looked at Jesus like, that was my moment. And, and there's just like no response. When their life review finished, Jesus said this, how have you loved those in your life? And that was a common theme. Now, that, that really struck me for, for, for months. Well, I read that book like three years ago, and I'm still just thinking about it. And there is this sense, this common theme of the focus on love, that that is the real important thing about our life. How have we loved those around us? That's the important thing. I mean, it's great to achieve things and, you know, study as a doctor and achieve that and then do medicine to help people get better or, you know, all the other things people do, go and train to be a teacher and then help children learn and all the many things that we can do. You know, these things are good and right, but how we love people is what Jesus is looking for. And it makes sense because in 1 John, John tells us that God is love. That is who he is. That is his character. When, when we're worried to approach God, let us remember, God is love. It's so simple. God is love. Oh, I don't know if I can pray. I haven't prayed all week. God is love. He wants, he desires you to come close. Don't stay far away. And so it's who he is and it's his character. And everything flows out of that. Because God is love, everything flows out of love because it's his character. It's who he is. Now, what about for you and I? Now, our lives, we are a reflection of God. We're made in his image. And as we are made in his image, we are also made to show love. But not just to show love, but to become love. So just as God is love and we are made in his image, as we give ourselves to the work of the transformation of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we increasingly become love ourselves. We become more like Jesus. It's not just something we do, but it flows out of who we are. It becomes who we are. So instead of a list in my pocket, I mustn't do these things, it flows out of the river of life because God is love. He is in us. We're made in his image and we become love. Now it's a bit like these oranges here. If you squeeze an orange, what comes out is orange juice. And as we become transformed and more like Jesus, when you squeeze us, what comes out is love. And it's something that becomes birthed in us and grows in us. Can you see the difference between being a list to keep and and the life of God flowing out of us that we become love too, that our character becomes love. 
And this flows out of what we think, what we say, our heart attitude. So we become transformed on the inside. Now, as we worship, God changes us. As we read his word, God changes us. When we read the Bible, because it's living word and and it's alive, the Holy Spirit takes it inside of us and transforms us, transforms our thinking, transforms us on the inside. The old attitudes die away. False values die away. And now we begin to live a kingdom life of kingdom values and kingdom love. And it's coming out of us because we've received it in revelation, in word in the word by talking to a friend and the Holy Spirit works in us that we become transformed more and more like Jesus and so love flows out now don't we want that wouldn't that be amazing when it says about the fruit of the spirit is love patience kindness self-control it's a work of the spirit as we cooperate with him Now, how can we be, like, successful in loving them? Well, it's our daily cooperation with the nudge of the Holy Spirit, just that little nudge. Oh, is it wise to say that? Is it loving to say that? The little nudge of the Holy Spirit. Is that loving to do that? That it starts to flow out. Now, Craig Rochelle, this week, he's been doing this series. And one of the things he was talking about is that success in any area of our life, of living a spirit-filled, what does he call it, a spirit thriving life. It's not a sudden overnight we wake up December 31st, January the 1st, I suddenly wake up just spiritually empowered because, you know, motivation. That just, you know, the date did it. But actually it's about the the single small decisions. And he says how our our success at anything, you know what I mean, is, is made up of those little choices. Everything we are today is made up of all the little choices we've made up until this moment. Craig puts it this way, our life is the sum total of all the decisions that we've made. And he says a character is born out of every day it matters, how we respond, what we say, our attitude. As we become transformed, it's those little choices. It isn't like one day we just wake up and, hey, we can do it all. But it's the little choices. Should I say that? No, I don't. I remember years ago, Julia and I were reading this book, <coughs> Celebration of Discipline. And it was talking about all the spiritual disciplines like fasting and prayer and all those type of things and one of them had a whole chapter on the discipline of silence and it said try saying the least possible in a day not like in an annoying way like would you like a cup of tea well would you like a cup of tea you know not like that but like to say the least do we always need to give an opinion do we always need to speak back do we always need to say so I tried to put this into practice it's very very challenging and, and what you discover when you say less, you see more, you hear more, and you discover not everything needs to be said. And so it's in the little things, not always giving an answer back, not always uh, being quick to take offense. But it's those little things. And where we will be next week, next month, or at the end of the year will be made up by the little choices we make every day. And if I have the next slide, Craig goes on to say, they all matter, they all matter, and they all add up over time. So how do we want to do this? We're transformed by the Holy Spirit, and it's a cooperation with that nudge of the Holy Spirit in our daily walk of making choices. So a year to love. We're going to learn, become equipped, Strong in the little choices, the little no's, the little yes, that lead to our character formation and ultimately our destiny. 
Now, number three, point number three. Now, I added this one in. We can go to number three, love and community. Because although really it is part of number two, I really felt God nudge me to include this as like a separate one, but it flows out of number two. It's about loving others. But loving community is the church. It is us together, the loving community. And, and there is a desire... I have a desire, and I hope you do too, that church, we create church together to be a loving community, a place that is safe, a place of love, and a place to belong. Now, a dear friend of ours, Blod, who's in heaven now with Jesus, when she first started coming to our projects, and then she found Jesus, and she went through Alpha, and she had amazing healing, and um, she died at 83, but she'd found community with us as a church. And one day, I used to go over her house for a cup of tea. She'd always give me a bag of um, Tupperware. I have so much Tupperware in my house now that every time I went over, there'd be a little bag for me. I don't know if anyone else has a complete set, but I have uh, many sets. Remind me of Blod every time I use it. Now, I chatted to Blod, and I said, "Um, in all your life, had you never tried church before? And she said, when I was a young woman, I went to church and um, I went along once or twice, and she said, the second occasion I went, I was talking with a group of people, and I thought, oh, maybe I could make friends here. And she said, then one of the groups said goodbye and went home, and the minute that lady left, the others all criticized the woman who had left. And she stood there, and she said, if this is church, I will never come again. And she didn't. And she didn't know God all her life until she was an older, mature lady. Now, that is a tragedy, that is so sad. Let us, you and me, it's in our hands to create a culture of a Jesus-shaped church that is a loving, caring community where we are free to be ourselves, where we love one another, where we show care to one another, and it is a safe place. Now, in Acts 2, it's recorded there what the early church was like. And this is a little snippet of it that is so long, I just cut it down. But it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. That means they shared, giving to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. They loved hanging out together. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. It talks about all the miracles that they saw and the signs and wonders devoted to the apostles' teaching and how they grew in favor with the community because people just couldn't believe this loving community. And so I'm including that as number three. Let's you and I, it's a culture, it's within our hands to do it. That as we love God, as we receive his love, as we love one another, let's create loving community as church. Like we do, we have a loving community and let's just continue to do that and invest in it. And also as we grow and new members join us, that they come into a loving community and discover that great, a great culture. Now, when I was thinking about love and preparing this, I know that we're in a world where there are many drivers for success that war against us every single day. Now, when I say drivers, I don't literally mean somebody driving this car, um, but this is a Lamborghini. Now, I'm not very good with cars, but I just tried to think of the most poshest, expensive car I could think of. I don't know if that is, but there we are. But, you know, 
We're in, in this technological age, on our phone, on our computer, on the TV, we're bombarded all the time uh, uh, to achieve more, add this, do this, look like this, be this, buy this, have this. And it's a constant bombardment that inside can make us feel that, you know, we're not enough if we don't look like this or have this or do this. And there's just this like voice of the world all the time that can be quite overwhelming. And if we're not careful, that can become the driver for us as well, that we think to be accepted in the world, we need all these things. Things. Not that there's anything wrong with living in a house and having a car, but it's the driver, and it, it can rob our peace. And this is not a new thing, because John writes in 1 John 2, he says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, that means like, you know, things we, we don't necessarily need, but we just want, we want more. And the lust of the eyes, things we see I have to have, and the pride of life, this is me, I'm proud, and I just, you know, get out of my way. There's no humility or love, but it says, John says, this is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And, and let us not allow that to squeeze us, that, that we think that's important, but actually to live a kingdom life of knowing that we're loved by God, that we can love him back, that we can love one another and create a loving community. And out of that love, we can go strong into the world and hold up our head high and achieve the purposes of God for our life and for those around us. Now, I read this um, interview a couple of days ago with Will Smith, and in some ways, Will Smith embodies some of these things. He's so funny, he's so cool, and he's been around a very long time. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Is he, for you, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Is he the genie in Aladdin? Is he Men in Black? Just turn to the person next to you and say, what is your favorite Will Smith film? Okay, so uh, let's, uh, let's bring it back there. Has anyone in the room never heard of Will Smith? Great, good, I'm really pleased. Okay, so now with Will Smith, I was reading this really interesting article, how Will Smith is part of that generation of actors. So if you put him in a film, doesn't matter what the film is, people will come. You know, Bruce Willis, Will Smith, Meryl Streep, whoever it is, if it's a certain actor or actress in a film, people will go to see it. Have you ever watched a film on Netflix because it had a famous person in it, and they're in it for like 30 seconds, and they just lent their weight to make you watch it. And he's part of that generation that's a guaranteed blockbuster if Will Smith is in it. He's a singer, he's an actor, he's a businessman, he's a rapper, he's cool, he's got it all. Now, I read this interview with him just a couple of days ago, and he said this. He said, I've always been driven by the pursuit of success. All I've wanted to do is succeed at everything. I want to be the best, I want to succeed. Failure is not in my vocabulary. And he was asked how he chose films. And he said, I wasn't so worried about the script, obviously it had to be good, but how I plan my career is this. I would be in a film that was going to be a summer blockbuster when the schools are off and everyone goes to see it, or I'd be in a film that's a Christmas film that everyone's off work and they would go and see it to guarantee success. He's absolutely driven by success. And as we know, viewing has changed. So people now would rather binge watch iPlayer or Netflix than get up, get in the car, drive to a cinema, sit in a cinema with other people. You know, so, so viewing habits have changed. So we still like the cinema experience, especially if it's something Star Wars is out at midnight, we'll all go 
all, we'll all go down there and watch it. Um, but, but viewing habits have changed, and so those big blockbuster films are no longer guaranteed for success. And so he talks about, Will Smith talks about, the first time a film failed, which had never, ever happened to him, to him before. And his whole career is success, 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 success. I'm cool, I can sing, I can act, I can do anything. I just stand here and I'm cool. And, and then suddenly... A film bombs for the first time. And he says this. This is a direct quote of what he says. The film was called After Earth. Never heard of it? Neither me. It bombed. Okay. So this first failure film, you've seen it, have you? Oh, there we are. Was it, was it terrible? It was rubbish. There we go. So he says this. This is Will's words. After Earth comes out, I get the box office numbers on Monday, and I was devastated for about 24 minutes because my phone rang. And when my phone rang, I found out my father had cancer. And that put it in perspective viciously. So this is the first time he's ever had failure. He is devastated until his phone rings. And it just cuts through the devastation with something real. He says this, That Monday started the new phase of my life. A new concept. Only love is going to fill that hole. He goes on to say this, I realized, you can't win enough, you can't have enough money, you can't succeed enough, there is not enough. Here is a man who has money, he's a winner, he's successful, but he realized he has it all, but it's never enough. You can't succeed enough, you can't have enough money, you can't win enough, there is not enough. And he realized through that experience, the only thing that will ever satiate that existential thirst is love. In other words, in our language, the only thing that satisfies the deep thirst for life's true meaning is love. Authentic meaning to life, only love will satisfy. And that is because it is the core of our being as human beings. It's the core of our nature. We're made in the image of God who is love. We are made to love. We are made to receive love. We are made to give love. Now we know that Jesus was the ultimate model of love. That he laid down his very life for us. So that we can experience this loving relationship with God and with one another. In John 15 it says this. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. And this is all only possible because of Jesus. And so 2020, a year to love. Let us go on this journey together, focus on what God has for us, receive his love, learn to love him and to love one another. And I want to ask you this question if you're ready. Now, in our family, with the family growing up, Sometimes we'd decide to have a film night. And the five of us go, oh yeah, we'll have a film. Take ages to choose a film. Then we've chosen a film. So you sit down in the lounge, ready with the remote to watch the film. And then somebody has to go to the toilet. Somebody decides to make a cup of tea. Somebody gets a phone call. Somebody thinks, well, I'll go and finish my homework till everyone's ready. And we're all waiting for each other. Have you experienced that? And then eventually, you know, four people in the room and you're waiting for one. Then somebody goes to get them. Now there's three people in the room. So we develop this saying in our family that when you're sat there on the sofa and still no one's there, you get the remote and you just shout, pressing play. And that's what we still do to this day. And it's like, I'm sorry, I don't care what you're doing now, but I'm pressing play. And if you don't, and that would, that would be the signal that everyone know we're finally ready. We're all rush into the lounge because someone 
is pressing play. And I want to ask, are you ready? Are we going to press play on this thing? And not let other things distract us, but say, I am ready. I want this in 2020, a year to love. Let's press play. Let's go for it. Are you in? Great. Well, if you're in, why don't you stand with me? Let's close our eyes for a moment. As we look at the year ahead, I want to give us one practical tool for this week and for this year. When Jesus says, how have you loved those around you? As we go through our week this week, I want us to ask this question when we think, when we speak, when we act. Ask this question. Is what I am about to say loving? Is what I am about to do loving? Is this value or attitude in my heart loving? Let's ask this question before we think, speak, or act. How does this demonstrate love? Lord Jesus, you see us standing here. And as a church and as a leadership here, we feel this is your word for us for this year, a year to love that you're going to do something transformative in us. And as a body, we give ourselves to you for this year. We say, come to me, Lord. Let me know and experience your love. Help me, Lord, by your spirit, that self-doubt will fall away. My not enough voice will fall away. But I will understand that I am a child who belongs I pray for that deep understanding that I am loved. I throw away my tick list and my to-do list, but I just submit myself to you that your love will flow out of me by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you'll come and transform us this year. We ask too, Lord, that you will help us show our love to you, that, that we're not inhibited, but able to show it back, how much we love you and all that you have done for us. And Lord, we ask for your power to love one another close and near, that you can transform our every day. Help us, Lord, come to us now, that we may be flowing in your love. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room and those of our church who can't be here today, that Lord, you will do something amazing in our lives this year, that we will be a body of love, transformed by your love, full of your love. We embrace it and say we're ready, Lord, we're pressing play. Amen.